Well, it's great to be here worshiping with you, and uh, it's an awesome Memorial Day weekend, great weather out there, and uh, it's just been a, man, it's been weird weather lately, hasn't it? I don't know if you guys were around in this area on Friday, and we had like hail coming down in this little strip down through this area, and a couple of our staff guys got it and posted it on Facebook, but it looked like the Arctic tundra out there is like five inches deep of hail and snow is like swirling around in water out in the parking lot, and and then I pulled in here about five o'clock, and uh, it was all steaming and rising up as we're like re- being reminded it's summer in the midst of the five inches of hail packed up against all the cars. And it's just a different time right now going on with the weather, and we're in the midst of change. And, uh, you know, that's what we're looking at a lot right now in the sermon series we're looking at is change, the transition that was occurring. Christ had been walking, Christ had been teaching, Christ had been sharing along the way of the passions and the hope and the purposes, and then he ended up being taken prisoner and everybody was shocked, and then he was put on a cross and everybody was horrified, and then he died and nobody understood at all what was going on. But three days later, he arose from the dead, and all of God's people said, man, hear me, he is alive. Everybody just say it with me. He is alive. Jesus Christ, he is risen. And and as he rose from the dead, he didn't just arise and go, well, I'm not sure what we're doing now. Now what? Uh, He had a plan in play and he was working with God the Father on it. And as they moved forward, he began to reveal out. And we walked through John chapters 20 and 21 as we walked through this series that you may have life. And uh, Trusting and believing that Jesus Christ, he is risen from the dead. He is the son of God. He is the Christ, the Messiah. He is our hope. And it says that you might have life and life eternal in that. And uh, we've been walking through the truth and the proofs that he is risen. A number of different people with very high character, firsthand witnesses to having seen him after he rose from the dead and willing to die for that fact. And we walked through all those different proof texts and got to see John kind of delivering that in a sort of a legal sense as he walked each testimony in front and then revealed out their experience and the truth of Jesus Christ. He is risen. He is risen. And all of God's people said, amen, Amen, man. And so today, we're actually going to put an exclamation point on it. We're going to close this series out today. And uh, we're just going to look at the last moment that Christ was with the disciples and some of what was shared there, some of their final testimony experience of Christ risen from the dead. So turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. We're just going to walk the first 11 verses here of Acts and uh, just see what Jesus had to say to the disciples. So point number one. Just staying true to the structure we've used so far, witness called. Jesus rallied the believers in order to deliver the Holy Spirit as promised. There were a number of uh, believers that had now rallied around Jesus Christ and he had some words to say to them. And so Jesus rallied them together to deliver the Holy Spirit as promised. He's like, let's just wait on this. Remember John chapter 16, he talked all about the role of the Holy Spirit coming in. And uh, so... Jesus Christ now interacting with them, Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Here we go. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. Now, 
Uh, this is written by Luke. The book of Acts is written by Luke. He's a doctor. He's uh, very factual. He's very accurate in what he writes. So his goal was to record history, but then also put some personal things into that as well as far as challenge and recording. And so as he wrote here in the first book, and the first book that Luke wrote was named uh, Luke, right? That's not a real hard question. And so Luke wrote Luke, and then Luke also wrote Acts. And so he wrote the two of those. As he's writing Acts, he's like, hey, I wrote the book of Luke, and this was all about the story of what Jesus did, what Jesus said while he was here on earth, and some of the details that took place uh, with Jesus Christ, the things that he had to do and to teach there were all recorded in the book of Luke. Luke ends with sort of coming right to the end of the ascension. It speaks to Christ rising up into the heavens, and we'll talk more about that here in this passage. So he says, until the day when he was taken up, that's the ascension, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And so remember, Jesus Christ, he hand-selected the disciples he was going to work with, and then he worked with them over three years. Can you imagine walking with Christ and talking with Christ every day, seeing him making points and making things clear shaping and changing the thought and structure of your whole worldview as he's beginning to reveal out who he is. Seeing miracle after miracle after miracle, seeing lives changed, seeing people laughing and people crying, and to be able to be a part of that. And Jesus Christ, man, he specifically called those men to that role. He had chosen them, and he gave them some very detailed commands right at the very end. And that we're going to talk through a couple of those commands as they're recorded here in Acts chapter 1. It says, he presented himself, take a look at what it says, he presented himself alive. How did he present himself? Alive. He presented himself risen from the dead. He presented himself as having arose up into that, yes, that same physical body that he had before, but then also glorified on top of that, physically risen and glorified. He is alive. And so Jesus Christ presented himself out to them. It says he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. In fact, we've just looked at a few of them going through John chapters 20 and 21. Just looking at a handful there of the proofs of Jesus Christ, different witnesses that came across knowing him, meeting him, seeing him, hearing of him, laughing with him, celebrating that he had victory over sin and he had victory over death. Praise be to God for that. And uh, he presented himself alive with many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God, appearing to them over 40 days. And, uh, you know, it doesn't really explain why 40 days. And so I did a little bit of digging on it. I was like, what, what's special about 40? We see that number 40 pop up in a number of different places. And, and so what is special about it? In fact, we don't know exactly why God chooses to work with 40 days, but he does have it in a lot of places. I just recorded a few of them here. Are you ready? So you go back to Genesis, 40 days that it rained both day and night, with Noah, 40 days. There was a massive transition occurring from this hugely sinful world, and God has selected a family out that has been trusting him and following him, and he takes Noah, and he gets him into a boat, 
an ark, and then 40 days and 40 nights it rains. The transition occurs with the 40 days of rain for Noah. Or how about when the Israelites were released from Egypt? And as they were on the fly, on the run, they ended up being directed by God, hey, here's the promised land. Here's where I want you to enter in. And so they sent in 12 spies. And they went in to look at the land of Canaan, the promised land. And as they were looking around, they were in awe of how beautiful it was, how rich it was, how fruitful it was. They were also in awe of how huge the people were that were there. And they're like, I don't think we can take these guys. And I don't think we should do this. And they actually wandered in the promised land looking around and trying to um, figure out if they should go in or not for, guess how many days? 40 days. And so transition time again. They're walking around looking as spies for 40 days. In fact, 10 of the 12 decided to vote in on, no, I don't think we should go after this. And because of that 40-day uh, adventure where they turned away from God's promise, God said, okay, for each day that you didn't trust, there will be a year of wandering in the wilderness. That was the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness that came after it. And in fact, ended up taking care of a generation that was not believing in God and raised up the next generation to be able to go into the promised land. And uh, so the first 40 days, the rain on Noah, the second 40 days was the wandering and then the checking out of the land of Canaan. And then the third one, Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments. He was up on the mountain for 40 days. And as Moses is up there getting ready to transition from, all right, fine, we're done with this running around, we're done with the seeking, and we're done with the, right, we, we ended up being directed towards this mountain, and God's going to give us Ten Commandments, and now we're going to live by law under him, and for 40 days, God walked through that transition period, and delivering up for Moses a plan, a vision, sharing his glory with Moses, and then also the Ten Commandments, the laws that are recorded in the Old Testament there. And uh, here's another one, Jesus Christ, as he started his ministry. He ended up going out and he was tempted by Satan as he walked in the desert. The Holy Spirit had led him out there and he was challenged and shaped. He was beginning to launch his ministry and he was out there for 40 days, right? 40 days he was wandering in the wilderness with the Holy Spirit, being tempted and pressed on by Satan, fasting the whole time, no food, no water, going after this massively deep divine spiritual journey of preparation for him for the beginning of his ministry. And then this 40 days at the back end now. For 40 days after the end of his ministry, when he's gone to the cross and died and then risen from the dead, now there's a 40-day moment where he's again preparing transition. See, the first 40 days was him preparing himself for the ministry. But the back end, this other side, the book ending of Jesus' ministry is 40 days where he's now preparing the disciples and he's giving them confidence in who he is and reality of what's going on. His authority with miracles and the reteaching of all that he is, reminding them of all that's happened in the 40-day front end and the 40-day back end works like a bookend to prepare transitions. Man, God works with 40s. And I don't understand what that all means, but for those of you who are 40 years old, you're like, amen, right? And uh, God definitely works with the 40 number in the waiting and the preparing. And, uh, okay. It says, 40 days he was speaking about the kingdom of God. See, he wasn't just talking about himself. He wasn't just like, you all need to look at me, you all need to understand me. 
and me, 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 me. He was talking about himself and making clear who he was, but it was so much more than that. It's what was going to happen over the course of eternity, the kingdom of God established. There's a spiritual level of the kingdom of God established, and there will be a physical level of the kingdom of God established. Hang on. It's going to be amazing, you guys. Like, that's the conversation going on over that course of 40 days as Jesus is preparing them. It says, and while uh, staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait. In fact, if you lump together what was said in the Gospels and what's said here, there were actually two commands. It was wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit, and then it was go and make disciples, right? And if you actually just hear those two, you're like, well, how do you do those two commands at the same time? How do you sit and wait in Jerusalem, and how do you go and make disciples? And the answer is, uh, you don't. You do them in order. You wait, and you hang on in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come, and then you go and make disciples with the power of the Holy Spirit working through you. And so this command, super clear, two parts, put it in order consecutively, and follow well and follow clearly. And so Christ here is again making it clear during the 40 days, hang on, wait, just wait. You're going to be amazed. And then his words to them, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. John baptized with this water thing, And that's fine, that was great, but I'm telling you there is something that's going to happen in this world that you are not going to be able to understand. And the best way I can summarize it is, there is going to be a baptism where the Holy Spirit now pours on you. And when you are saved and trusting and the Holy Spirit pours on, man, there is going to be this moment where God Almighty is coming down and coming in to your life. And as you believe in Jesus Christ, as you trust and are saved, there will be a temple that you become, God living with and in you, making an impact in your life. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. And uh, there is one baptism of the Holy Spirit, that is when we trust in Christ, when we believe and are saved, at that moment the Holy Spirit basically makes us a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5 He comes in and builds this home now where he lives in and with you. Man, I'm telling you, there is huge, huge privilege in coming to trust Christ as Savior. It's not just some fact you assent to. It's a relationship that starts with the creator of the universe. And all of God's people said, and we got to get amped and pumped on that. And Christ is like, I'm telling you, this is transition time. Like, you haven't seen anything like this before, man. You've been wrestling through what it looks like to follow and believe God, but now I've been revealed out to you, and the work has been done on the cross, and I am risen from the dead, and the debt is paid. Hear me now. Get ready, because when you believe in me, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you like you have never seen. This thing is going to come unglued around here. Then you can leave Jerusalem. That's what he's saying. Get ready. Get amped. Get expecting. God's going to do a huge work in your lives. Now just hang on. That's Jesus. 
talking with them, making clear to them what the plan is. He's like, the Holy Spirit's going to come not many days from now. Can you imagine what you'd be saying if you're those guys? You know, you'd be like, I got a question. Yes? Uh, what do you mean baptism of the Holy Spirit? All right? Uh, we'll show you in a few days. All right, I got a question. Yeah? How many days is a few days? Like, do you mean three? That's what I mean by few. Is that what you mean? Like, what are you saying right now? How long do I have to wait? What's going to happen without, right? The questions just start wanting to spill out of you as he's just prepared a little bit. It says, so when they had come together, they asked the Lord, hey, question, Uh, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Like, you're talking all about the kingdom of God, and you're talking about the Holy Spirit coming on us, and you're talking about us going out and sharing all over the place. Is this the time where you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? All of a sudden, are we going to see this nation, like, rise up again and be great? Done with this whole sitting under someone else's rule thing? Are we going to see that? Is the time come? Notice the question. Uh, Will you at this time, everybody say the word time, just say time. That's a huge deal. He's asking about time. And there's actually two different words in the Greek for time. This one literally means like the seconds ticking by, the minutes and the hours. What time is it? Like that actual uh, word time there. And it's actually from the word chronos. You've heard that like chronology, right? And it means the time ticking by. Is it that time? Like if I look at my watch, is it time? And uh, that's what they're asking. And uh, he said to them, it is not for you to know times, right? Hey, is it time? They're like, yeah, it's not for you to know that. It's not for you to know times, but then he puts another word, or seasons. Just so you know, in the Greek, there's actually two different words for the word time. And one of them is this chronology, this seconds ticking by, the thing that's measured by your watch, time. And the other is like these eras, these seasons, these these different sets of events going on and giant transitions in between them. And he's like, dude, it isn't for you to know the seconds ticking by in which time. It's not even for you to know the season of it, right? You got to hear he's kind of up in the ante on it. Like, you're looking for this. I'm telling you, even this isn't yours to know. And uh, be careful. You're asking the wrong question. Isn't that so human of us? Isn't that exactly what we do? As soon as we start to get information from God on how it works... We start drilling into the details and we stop worshiping. Like, oh, oh, I see. This is really cool. I see how you're going to work these things. Wait, wait, wait. Are you going to do this next? Are you going to do this next? Are you going to do this next? Right? And we start kind of, if I was in charge, (laughs) this is what I would do. Right? And we kind of go down that path. We begin to perceive what I would want and what I would say if I were the leader of. And all of a sudden, we start asking questions that put us in control. And Jesus hears their heart in it, and he knows what they're doing with it. By the way, I'll just say this little statement, and uh, like uh, we just walked through the Daniel series, and uh, this last uh, spring here, winter spring, we walked through Daniel's chapter 7 through 12, which has a lot of prophecy in it, and it talks a lot about what's coming. And as we walk through Daniel 7 through 12, we actually start to experience some of the, and then this is going to happen in general, it's going to look like this, you're going to see some of, and then what's the first thing that gets stirred in our heart? Well, is it going to be like this? Well, what about this? 
Is he going to do this? Well, how about this, right? All of a sudden, the detailed questions start coming out. So all I'll ever say is, as you get prepped by God as to what's coming, hear me, the appropriate response is trust and worship. Not give me all the details, I want to take control. Trust and worship. Not give me all the details, I want to take control, right? And it's super important that we get this. And as Jesus has now revealed to them some of the things that are about ready to come, uh, the natural human thing gets stirred up. Lord, give us a bunch more information. And they're like, so that kingdom of God thing, is that going to like happen now? Is Israel going to become this awesome nation? And he's like, yeah, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Like, just so we're clear here, guys. God the Father established this without your help, and he's going to be able to run it through to the end without your help. Clear enough? Right? That's kind of what he's saying. Like, let's get it clear here. You're not really needed in the control side of this game plan. Okay? Kind of needed on the other side is God's deciding, hey, I want to work with you. Now, God could do it all on his own, but he's like, here's the role I have called for you. Come step into this role. It's not the driver's seat. But there is a responsibility that we have. And so there is the word but that follows it. He's like, look, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But, everybody say but. So we do have responsibility, just not knowing those. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. And, uh, just a little bit more understanding of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit means. You will receive power. You're not doing this under your own power. That would be a bad plan. Everybody say that's a bad plan. Yeah. Right? And let's not release... <laughs> I'm going to be a little disrespectful here, all right? Let's not release a hundred million morons in their own power. And say, boy, I hope this works out well, right? Everybody say, not that. It's not that. It's God the Father in charge of the times, Holy Spirit empowering up, Him directing and leading together, beginning to change and speak into our souls and direct us. And as we follow Him, we become, hear me now, the church on fire for Jesus Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, directed and empowered, God getting all the glory that's his plan, okay? That's what it looks like for God to get the glory as we submit and follow him with all we've got. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. In other words, you have the privilege of sharing about me with everyone you know. And uh, sadly, we sort of get distracted in this world, don't we? I mean, let's just be real, man. We wake up in the morning and we're like, and today is about me. Let's see, what do I have to do today? What jobs do I have? What responsibilities do I have? Who do I need to call? What do I need to write down? What emails do I need to write? What do I need to respond to? I, I, me, me, I, me, I, right? And by the end of the day, we're like, oh, that's right. This was supposed to be about Christ. And so then we try to do something, a little something, to try to salvage it out. And we're like, good enough, I guess. And then we wake up the next day and we're like, 
Well, that seemed to be a good plan. Let's repeat that again, right? And we seem to make it all about us. And uh, hear me, man. We are here for one reason, to be witnesses to the power and authority and greatness of Jesus Christ and witnesses all over the place. Some of you in the businesses you've been called to, some of you in the military you've been called to, some of you in the schools you've been called to, all of us in the families we've been called to, all of us in the towns and communities we've been called to. Are you ready to be a witness? And that's what we're called to be, first and foremost, ready to share out his greatness. Hear me, that means you need to experience his greatness. And so it's not go run out and just start talking. It's God help me get before you on my knees and worship you with all I've got. Rock my world, shape my life. May I get to know you in ways I never have before. And then as you take a step out your door, get ready to give and answer for the reason of the hope that's in you. That's the plan. Get close to your God, and then watch him use you in this world to make much of his fame and his name. And all of God's people said, that's a huge deal. And don't get them out of order. Remember, they were not to leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came on them. God, may I meet with you. May I know you deeply and personally. May I be saved and on fire. And may you be rocking my world. And then I'm ready to go be a witness for you over all I've got. May you get all the glory. That's what he's calling us to, okay? Huge, simple task where God does all the work and we're available. And the simple question looking at this is, are you in? That's the question he was asking the disciples, are you in? Are you in? You know, uh, this past couple of weeks has been graduation time around here, but really around the world. There's been a ton of graduation. You got a lot of high schoolers graduating, so there's like four years of life and life commitment that is coming to a close, and there's graduation out of high school and moving up into either job or school or military or whatever it is, right? And there's this transition that's taking place. And for those who have graduated from college, they're stepping out of college, and that's been anywhere from two to four years. If you got a master's or a PhD, it could even be another four to seven years on top of that. There's this massive commitment commitment of time, and then there's a transition into the next. And so really graduation is kind of twofold. It's kind of a, yes, I'm done, right? That's part of it, and that's a big part of it. That's why they all whip their hats in the air, right? They're like, get this off of me, right? I'm done, and uh, that's part, but there's also this, and now there's a new step I take. There's something else coming. What's next? graduation is the celebration of a transition moment, right? And, uh, you know, this last week I was watching the news, and uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, Notre Dame's graduation. So as Notre Dame was having a graduation there, uh, Vice President Pence stepped up to speak, and there were some uh, kids that were graduating that were like, I'm not really uh, happy with that guy and what he stands for. And so in rebellion, as he started to speak, they stood up, and walked out in rebellion. And I don't know the exact number, but it was definitely in the uh, hundreds area that walked out. And they had videos of this. They interviewed a few of them afterwards. I'm just going to say they didn't do well in backing themselves. They sounded dumb. And uh, <laughs> my position, I'll just let you know it right now. And uh, they're like, I'm walking out. And I'm like, don't give them a diploma. If you can't learn to sit under, man, 
Like there's an authority that is decided in this room who's speaking. Now sit under. Welcome to freedom of speech. If you don't agree, fine. Have your position and whatever it is. I don't know what these kids were taught, but somehow it was the world just revolves around me. And uh, so in that moment, they're standing up, they walk out, and then afterwards they're giving their positions, whatever it all is. And uh, man, the bottom line is they were on this position. I don't agree with that, so... Hey, simple question here, man. This moment right now with Jesus Christ as he gives the command is a graduation moment and he's giving the call to be a witness. Are you standing up and walking out or are you in? Are you in? Are you listening and under and willing to respect and you get what God is doing and you're like, I will stand with. That is my savior. I'm in. Or are you standing up, making it about self and walking away? Where are you at? Man, make sure that you get this clear today. We serve the risen Savior. He is God Almighty. He is alive with authority and power. And he has a plan. He will be ushering in this kingdom of God spiritually and physically. He is going to rock this world, the Holy Spirit, one soul at a time shaping us, and you have the chance to believe and trust in Jesus Christ, have the Holy Spirit take up residence, saved, and share out the greatness of your God with anyone you run into. Are you in? And make a decision, make a commitment, believe and trust in him, sit under with all you've got. May your God get all the glory. Question I wrote down here. Man, are you saved and empowered by the Spirit? Are you willing to share no matter the cost? No matter the cost. Get close to your God and watch him move in your life. And uh, it's a huge privilege. Point number two. No. Know that Jesus is alive, ascended into the heavens, and will return with great power and authority. No. It says, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Now again, when we read the Bible, make sure you read it for real, right? Like we read this and we're like, oh, okay, he drifted up, and the clouds took him, and he went away. Really? How many times have you seen that before? Like, isn't that a little bit unique? Isn't that kind of a moment where it should be a shock and awe moment where it sort of takes a breath away? And the answer to that would be, so get ready. You have a job to do. Here we go. Live it out loud right here in this room as we read. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. That's what we're talking about. Make sure you read for real, man. Don't read your Bible and just be like, yeah, it's all pretty big stuff, so just whatever. And all of a sudden, we get no sense of what they were feeling in that moment. Jesus is like, I'm telling you this. The Holy Spirit will come on you with great power, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts. And then he starts drifting up in the air. 
and just drifting up, and you're like this. Maybe you're one of those guys where you listen better while you look down, and you're kind of like, yeah, right, Jerusalem, Judea, right, I get it, like narrow and bigger and really big, I get it, yeah, yeah. And something out of your eyesight dis- disappears, and you're like, what? And you look up, and you're like, he went in the clouds. I think he went in. Did you see him go in the clouds? I think we just saw him glow in the clouds, right? There has to be that moment that's not a normal everyday experience, right? Grasp what they just grasped as this ascension happens. We talk about it in Christianity. We're like, and then he ascended into the heavens. We're like, oh, yes. Amen. So true. And it is true. But you're like, no, dude. He ascended into the heavens right in front of them. Are you understanding? Like, if you were there, you would be like, nuh-uh. <laughs> right? Come on, there has to be a moment where you're like stunned by this image happening right in front of you, right? And, and it says that they were looking on. He was lifted up into the clouds. And then it says, and while they were gazing at him as he went, behold, which means, yeah, we're not done with the amazing stuff now. Behold, uh, two men stood beside them in white robes. Everybody say, that's angels. Right? And now two angels are standing beside them. First they've seen Jesus rise up right in front of them. And then there's two angels standing side by side next to him. And these two men dressed in white robes said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heavens? Please see that the way the disciples would. Why do you stand looking into the heavens? What, um, <laughs> Jesus just, he's gone, man. Up into the cl- clouds, Jesus, right? There has to be this moment where you're like, were you here to see what we just saw? Because that was pretty big to us. That's why we're still looking up, right? Their jaws are dropped. They're like, Unbelievable. This has been an amazing three-and-a-half-year experience for me. I've not really experienced anything like this before. Now you're talking with angels about it. When of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heavens? This Jesus. Which Jesus? Not some dude named Jesus who looks a lot like him, but this exact specific Jesus, the one who lived and talked and taught, the one who died and rose, the one who just shared with you and challenged with you, the one who just ascended into the heavens before you, that Jesus, this Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into the heavens. Please hear me. This is a huge passage will come in the same way. Everybody say same way. Physically, visibly. You saw him go up and get caught up into the clouds. There was this massive glory moment as he disappears and angels appear around. And in the same way, he will come. Jesus Christ, it says in Ephesians 1, he is risen from the dead. He has ascended into the heavens and seated at the right hand of the Father. That is where he is right now. He is with God the Father in heaven and he will come again. He is coming, amen, man. He is coming to this earth, hear me. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is responsible for the kingdom of God and it will be established, yes, right now, spiritually speaking, and yes, for all eternity, 
physically speaking, he is coming again. He will come again. He will return on the clouds. Matthew 24 says, and the Son of Man, he will come. The Son of Man will come in glory on the clouds with glory and power. It's a quote from Daniel chapter 7. The Son of Man will come in the clouds with glory and power. Hear me, Jesus Christ, he will come visibly. He will come physically and he will come with power. And all of God's people said, and at the end of that man, he establishes his reign for eternity, physically and spiritually. That's the way it comes down. Revelation 19, he mounts his white horse and he comes riding in. The only weapon he has is his spoken word. The rest of us who are believers, we get to come along for the ride and see what's happening. None of us has a weapon. Jesus Christ, King of Kings, he comes again. He is alive. He has risen from the dead. He has conquered sin. He has conquered death. Man, I'm telling you, he's got a plan to rock this world. And it's not just sending a bunch of people off willy-nilly to try something. The Holy Spirit is coming in. He's taking up residence. He is going to rock your world. Trust. Believe. Give it all you've got. And watch him shape your life as the Holy Spirit begins to work in us and the church is being built. All those who believe and follow him. It will build until it's the right time. We don't know the time. We don't know the season. It's not our job. And all of God's people said, but our job is to be filled with the Holy Spirit to rock this world as we share the truth of Jesus Christ. That is your call. Are you in? Do you believe? Are you ready to make much of Christ? To be in awe of his greatness? To let him move in your soul? To have a relationship with the King of Kings and wait expectantly for his return, longing for him to be put on his rightful throne? Jesus Christ, he is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. There is no one like him. And all of God's people said, he is risen. So I ask you this simple question, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe? Do you believe that his teaching and his direction were accurate? Do you believe? Do you believe he died and rose again? Do you believe? Do you believe there is authority in Jesus Christ? Do you believe there is a plan for this church? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit and his work? Are you in? Or do you wake up each morning with a day's journey that's all about self, effectively walking out on the graduation plans and saying, I don't want to hear any of this. Are you in or are you out? Make your commitment, put a stake in the ground, and make much of your Savior. And all of God's people said, let's pray.